Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Do not let for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be, made, will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. In the account of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, we see a wealthy man, a man with great possessions, who wants to go to heaven. And so he approaches Christ, and Christ ultimately tells him to give up what is most precious to him, his goods, his assets, by selling them and then taking that money and giving it to the poor. Well, the rich young ruler was not willing. He had no intentions of aligning himself with the teachings of Jesus. He walked away, the scriptures tell us, tells us he walked away with sadness in his heart. And as we're studying the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is exposing our hearts and he's warning us to align ourselves with his will and with his teachings. And so our prayer is that what was true of the rich young ruler would not be true of us. The context of our chapter 6, we've seen the attitudes that ought to be. Jesus is speaking, teaching his disciples. And all of this that he's teaching, it's not rungs on a ladder, things we need to do in order to get to heaven through our own merit. But Jesus speaking to believers teaches us the attitudes that we ought to have, the attitudes that ought to be in the Beatitudes. Now, that doesn't mean we have those attitudes all the time, but we should have those attitudes in an increasing fashion, growing in those. And then in chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, we see the bad doctrines of the religious leaders. They, the religious leaders of the day, they misunderstand the Old Testament. They don't understand the law, and so their doctrine is flawed. Jesus said time and time again, you have heard that was said, but I say, and what Jesus is doing is correcting, correcting them by clearing up the intent of the law. And then in chapter 6, we see their bad example, the religious leaders' bad example. The, the hypocritical religious leaders were giving and praying and fasting in order to get their attaboys from people, in order to get noticed. Well, we fight that temptation also, don't we? We fight pride every day, fighting the, the desire to be noticed by others. We're also tempted to be like the world in seeking treasures on this earth. Many of us, we think, if I only had this, I would be set. Well, the fact of the matter is we're, we're all ready set. We're just too worldly at times to know it. There's times we're tempted to find security and satisfaction in temporary things instead of what we already have in Christ. So Jesus is saying, don't do it. Don't seek treasures on earth. Don't store up temporal things that won't last. And then 
The third temptation is the temptation to worry, not to trust God to meet our needs. And we'll look at that again next week. We looked at the first temptation last week. Today we'll look at verses 19 through 24, and then we'll finish this section next week. But Jesus is putting a mirror up for our hearts, for us to see who we really are, to see the adjustments we need to make. So are we living for the here and now? Are we living for the here and now? We need to remember that earthly treasures are temporal. We're tempted in this area. We struggle, don't we, as believers? And it says that the text that we're studying today, verse 19, Hunter read for us, these treasures are temporal because moths are eating them. Rust is corroding them and thieves are stealing them. And Jesus is warning us against making an earthly treasure an object of misplaced trust. And it's misplaced because it will ultimately fail us. I know some of you, when Hunter read this text, and we, I told you what the text we're teaching, you looked at it, you're like, well, you're thinking, well, I'm not wealthy and I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't have a lot of possessions, so this doesn't apply to me. But greed and coveting isn't limited to the wealthy, is it? No, it's something we all struggle with. And there, you know, I'll ask a question. Is there anything wrong with having a lot of things or being wealthy? Because some of us in here are wealthy. In fact, you don't know it, but we're all wealthy. If you've ever been to a third world country, you'll know that we're all blessed. We're all wealthy folks. But there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with possessions. In and of themselves, they're not bad. Having a, a lake house, which many of us do, having a secure financial future, having an RV, having a collection of, you name it, is not sinful. In fact, Jesus tells us we're to enjoy life. We're, we see that in the book of Ecclesiastes. We see it again in 1 Timothy six seventeen. Paul tells Timothy, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Why does he provide us with everything? So we can enjoy it. We should enjoy the things God has blessed us with, holding on loosely to those things. That's the key, holding on loosely to those things and keeping the right perspective on them. Let me tell you what happens when someone becomes a believer, and this is kind of a pattern that takes place for all of us. And, and as I look around, I see a lot of people, a lot of testimonies represented in this room, a lot of people whose hearts have been changed. You, you, we've had hearts of stone removed, and we've been given hearts of flesh. And this is what happens when we become a believer. I was 17 years old when I became a believer, a senior in high school. And I remember November 25th, 1990, repenting and, and, and trusting Christ's work on the cross as my own. And I remember being overwhelmed those following weeks, uh, overwhelmed by the grace of God. I recognized months prior to repenting that I was deserving of hell, the wrath of God. God, I deserve you to pour out your wrath upon me. I deserve you to, to, to punish me for all eternity. That's what I deserve. Everything above hell was a privilege for me. I recognized that. But God had not given me what I deserved. He'd given me what I didn't deserve. And because of Christ's work on the cross, I could call this wonderful, holy, 
just father. I can call him daddy and father, and I can draw near to him. I was overwhelmed by the grace of God. It's not something I did. It was something God gave me. It was free. And that was true of you. The second thing that happens in a believer's life after being overwhelmed by the grace of God is our, we have a morality shift. As we begin to study and read the Word and, and sit under the teaching of the Word, what happens is God begins to convict us of our sin and, and our morality changes. Things that we used to say, now we no longer want to say. And for my life, my language began to be corrected. Cleaned up my language. Things I used to say flippantly, now I didn't want to say. And if I did say it, say it, I was sorry. Chastity for me became something that was really important. Morality changes in a believer's life. Our moral compass is redirected. So you have being overwhelmed by the grace of God, your morality is changed. And then thirdly, my value system changed. I remember thinking as a young man, I, had, I was going to college and I was thinking about what I was going to do in college and everything that I was basing my future on, all the decisions I was making, CJ, I was making based on the fact that I was going to make a lot of money. And it was going to give me time to be able to do the things that I wanted to do. But what happened over, over time is my value system changed. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Those things didn't seem so alluring anymore. And another way of saying the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you say, accumulating stuff, feeding the flesh, and impressing my neighbors. Those things, they, they didn't seem so alluring anymore. My value system changed. That's what happens to us as believers. And this happened to you as well. Not that it, it's changed to be just like Christ, but we're on our way, right? We're being sanctified. We're being made more like Christ. So that's what happens when we become a believer. And so as we look at our text today in verse 19 through 24... We need to ask, is our value systems as they should be? Are we living for temporal pleasures? And there's three questions we'll ask as we walk through these, these texts. Verse 19 through 21. First is, where is your heart? Where is your heart? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is your heart? What are you desiring? What are you seeking after? Are we being driven by, consumed by things that will fail us? Two types of treasure. Treasures on earth. And then there's the opposite, treasures in heaven. Well, treasures on earth are the temporal. That's why he talks about the moth and the rust and the thieves, because it's temporal. It doesn't last. It's when we breathe our last... They're, they're, they cease to be ours anymore. We don't carry them with us, right? So they're treasures on earth. And then there's treasures in heaven. We see that in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Peter tells about 
this inheritance he has. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This inheritance, he says, is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. There is treasures in heaven as opposed to treasures on earth. Verse 19 and 20, don't live our lives like our time on earth is all there is. Don't only invest in things that are this world. Don't only invest in things that are temporal. But invest in things that are eternally significant. And, and I know as a, a, a young man thinking about my future and thinking about college and what I was going to do in life, I, I remember thinking about wanting to be successful. And you think about the world's definition of, of success. It's one who makes a lot of money, has a lot of things, able to play a lot and have a lot of pleasure in life. And we all understand that, don't we? You see somebody, you know somebody, maybe somebody in your mind's eye, there's somebody in your mind's eye, they're, they're, they're successful in the world's eyes because they've made it. But you know, you can succeed but succeed in the wrong things. And sometimes even our children, we think about our children, we're trying to give them guidance in, in their future and what they're going to do, uh, what they're going to major in in college. And we, we always talk about, you know, you want to major, major in this because you can get a good job. And all of those things are, are somewhat important, I think. But if you ask parents, a lot of times you say, what, what do you want for your kids? They'll say, they'll answer two things they'll say about their kids. I want my kids to be successful and I want my kids to be happy. Really? Is that really what, what you want for your kids? We want them to be successful in whose eyes? Oftentimes in the world's eyes. We have a worldly perspective on success. Jesus says don't store up treasure on treasures on earth investing in things that will fade and upon your last breath be yours no longer and have no eternal impact on anyone else it's like investing all your money in cassette tapes or eight tracks who's going to do that got this idea I want to invest a lot of money bring back the cassette tape player. Rodney, you in with me? You'll sit, put a second mortgage on your home and let's invest in that endeavor. It's not going to pay dividends, is it? It's not going to go well. Yeah. The Apostle Paul, I think, is a good example of one who stored up treasures in heaven Near the end of his life, just before he's executed, he writes to his son in the faith, to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you love his appearing? We think about treasures, and, and as we were singing these true songs a few moments ago, I, I was thinking about Jesus being our treasure. He's to be our greatest treasure, the thing we long for the most. If Christ is your treasure, then your heart will be inclined to the place where your treasure is. And if your heart is inclined towards heaven, people will be able to see that in our lives. And this isn't the majority view. I'm not going to store up temporal pleasures. I'm not going to invest in things that are just temporary and things that are fleeting. I'm going to invest in heavenly treasure and things that are long-lasting, eternal. That's the, that's, you're swimming upstream if you have that view. But as Pastor Tom Nelson has said many times, never go against a man who rose from the dead. He says we need to build and store up treasure in heaven. That's what we need to do. You know, it's like insider trading. You know, insider trading is illegal. You know what insider trading is? It's, it's knowing what the market will do because you have confidential information that you're not supposed to have and then buying and selling stocks before it, before it happens. That's a no-no, right? Martha Stewart, she went to prison because she was guilty of insider trading. But what is illegal in business is encouraged by Christ. See, we're believers. We've read the book. We've got the scriptures that tell us what's going to happen. And we should make investments based on what we know from that insider information. We want to invest in what we know is going to produce dividends. And the world, the physical world, is going to be destroyed. You know that, don't you? It's going to, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be burned up. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth where we as kingdom citizens will dwell. So invest in eternal things. Those that involve the kingdom. And sometimes my wife says, you're a little bit too vague. You need to be a little bit more specific. Give me specific examples, right? And so I want to do that. What are, what are things that involve the kingdom? Well, anything that involves God and his glory. I mean, really everything we do, we're to do for his glory. Whether you eat or drink, do it all for the what? Glory of God. Yeah. So... What has to do with God, his glory, giving glory to God, the souls of men, the gospel, which allows sinners to be reconciled to God. These are all things that involve the kingdom. And we as a church, we partner with other churches and other people. And, and, and we have people that bring people to our mind and, and, or to our attention and, and churches and da-da-da-da. Do you want to be involved in this partnership with this other church or this other organization or this other whatever? And this is what we look for. Are they living their lives for God's glory? Are they working for the salvation of the lost? And are they propagating the gospel? Are they spreading the gospel? Are they faithful doing those things? And then if, if so, then if we can, we want to partner with people like that or churches like that. Look at verse 21. This is the key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We, we understand that, I think. 
Where our treasures are would determine the trajectory of our lives. If we invest in temporal things, our lives will be about temporal things. If we're invested in eternal things, our lives will be about the kingdom. What you deem to be important, your values form your priorities, and then you make decisions that follow your priorities. And it's like our hearts, they're like, our hearts are like the needle of a compass. The needle is always pointing in the direction of that place in which our treasure is kept. If our treasure is on earthly things and is kept in earthly treasuries, then the longings of our hearts will never rise higher than the earth. And if our treasure is of spiritual things and is kept in heavenly places, then our hearts will be in heaven, even though we ourselves are still walking upon the earth. Your, your treasure controls your heart, which controls what you think, say, and do. Our heart steers us. So we need to have our treasures, investments in eternal things, so our heart will be heavenward. And in verse 22 and 23, Jesus gives another metaphor here to explain that we should lay up treasure in heaven. I, and another question we could ask, we ask, where is your heart? We, we, we could ask, where is your focus? Or what is your focus? What is your perspective? He says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Well, the eye is how you see. It's here it's, it's your values. It's what's important to you. And it says the eye is the lamp. The lamp gives you light. The lamp gives you safety. The amount and quality of the light that comes into a room depends on the condition of the windows. We, we got here and this, wind, this door was filthy. They had poured a, some concrete. And, and so Maddie and Claire Beth, they, they cleaned that door for us. But the, the amount and quality of light that comes into a room depends on the condition of the window through which it comes. And so it is with the eye. What's your... What's your focus? What's your perspective? If the eye is good, scriptures tell us, if we see that the eternal is most important, and some people say this means generous, if we're being generous, if we, if we see that the eternal things are most important, then we'll be more generous, won't we, with our giving and with our lives. It says your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, meaning you understand that, that temporal things are important, then you're going to be greedy, right? You're going to have your be tight-fisted on these things because we live for the here and now. It says then your whole body is full of darkness. And what happens is, is, is we're overrun by greed and our stuff, we like more and more stuff and our hands get, our grip gets tighter and tighter on our stuff. What happens? Our greed discontinues because those temporal things, they don't satisfy and we want more and more and more and more and more. So it says... If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Because it just grows. Temporal, temporal, temporal. More, more, more. Never enough, never enough, right? I've heard it said when things we, we, that we can see, the temporal things outweigh or carry more weight than the eternal things that are unseen, we have spiritual nearsightedness. And, it's, and we're tempted with that in this life. I mean, we all have stuff, and we all struggle with holding on loosely to our stuff. Nothing wrong with stuff. Nothing wrong with lake house, with having a boat. 
Nothing wrong with that. But we have to hold loosely on those things. Those things are temporal. It's just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When you're doing that, you need to, when you go, and a lot of people go to the lake or whatever you do, you have other toys and things that you do, things that occupy you, pleasures you have. But when we do those things, we need to be constantly, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those of you who have kids here, you need to remind them, hey, we're out here on a boat. You know, most kids in the world have never been on a boat on a lake. Most of the kids in the world will never get to ride a tube and blah, blah, blah. Remind our kids of that. Be thankful. Let's just be thankful. Wow, Lord, you blessed us. It's a beautiful day. We're out on the lake. We don't have to work. We've got the money to do it. Thank you, Lord. Right? Hold loosely to those things. Where's your heart? Where's your focus? What's your perspective on your stuff? And then the third question is, who are you serving? Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I know that I'm leaving some things, leaving holes in this. And there's other things, you, questions you have. That's why our small group leader is going to answer every question you have tonight and the next week. Right, Blake? Right. Um, who are you serving? In the New Testament days, there were slaves. And uh, during this time when Jesus is teaching this, and a slave could not be the slave of two different people. You couldn't have two different masters. You have, one, you have one master telling you to do one thing, and then the other master telling you to do another. I want you to be here at 9 o'clock to watch my kids. I want the other master, I want you to be 9 o'clock, I want you to be doing this, and you can't do that, right? Eventually, we have to decide where our loyalties lie, and the same is true when it comes to one serving God and earthly riches. Jesus, Luke 14, 33. So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus' words, by the way. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. The greatest commandment. Someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Not any room for anything else there, is it? Do these commands seem to indicate that God allows our loyalties to be divided? <laughs> no. No. Luke chapter 12. Who are we serving? Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. Jesus told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops now this is a guy who's building his treasure on earth this is a prime example and he said I will do this I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods and I'll say to my soul soul you have ample goods laid up for many years relax eat drink and be merry but God said to him fool this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared whose will they be in other words Hey, sucker, you, you're dying today. And all that stuff you've been accumulating, where's it going to go? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Another word is, uh, you know, we say don't store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. Storing up treasures in heaven, it means you're being rich towards God. This man is mastered by earthly treasure. Who's he serving? Earthly treasures. Temporal things. Stuff, stuff, stuff. 
Matthew Henry, uh, commentator, he, he was robbed one time of all his possessions. And, and this was his response. This is what he, he wrote. Lord, I thank you that I have never been robbed before. And although they took my money, they spared my life. And though they took everything, it wasn't very much. That it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. This is a response of one who's not mastered by stuff, temporal pleasures, temporal things, possessions, investments, and the like. So how do, how do we apply this text today? When I ask those questions, where is your heart? What is your focus? Who are you serving? It's, it's kind of just trying to help us see, are we really, do we placing too much emphasis on our stuff, physical, temporal things that when we breathe our last, we'll, we'll have no more. And they'll mean nothing for, for all eternity, right? I, I think maybe, a, here's a test. I was trying to think through this. Here, here's a test for us. When, when times get tough, what are the things we cut back on? You know, when finances aren't what you'd like them to be and you got to cut some things out, what do we cut? What do we cut out? Maybe that's a. I was just trying to think through how do how could we? What's the litmus test? How can we know? We ask these questions, trying to figure out our temporal pleasures. Are we storing up temporal things? Maybe maybe that's a question we could ask ourselves. So maybe by application, to answer that question. What do we cut out? And some of you are thinking. The whole money thing. Don't meddle with in my business. No, that's the church's job. That's what we do. We get in each other's business, right? Like, no, this is, this is money. You don't talk about that. Why not? No, we talk about money. Because it's, it's important to us. And we can tell a lot about our lives, what's important because of that, right? The main point of our text today is, is lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So by, by way of application, that's one thing we can say. Lay up treasures in heaven. How do you do that specifically? My wife says, give us specifics, right? Well, well, firstly, I'll say, how do you lay up treasure in heaven? First thing you have to do is repent. And there will be some here, adults, children, who have yet to repent and trust Christ. See, the, the truth of the matter is we're, we're sinful. Like, Ma, uh, like Michael was sharing her testimony, she re recognized that at a young age that she was a sinner and she was separated from the Lord and she deserved the wrath of God. And maybe you're here and you, you recognize, maybe you've been thinking about this for a little while. Maybe your, your parents have been talking to you about this. Maybe as you come and you sit to, here in the teaching of the Word, maybe you, you've recognized, you know, I've never repented and I've... I'm a good person, I'm da-da-da-da, all that stuff. But really, I've never repented. I've never turned from my sin. I've never been broken over my sin. I've never turned from my sin. And I've never trusted Christ's work on the cross as my own. Well, I want to encourage you to, to do that. God's a God of love. He loves you. 
but he's also a God of justice, and he's a just God. And when it's all said and done, there's no sin that goes unpunished. And if your sin wasn't punished by Christ on the cross, then you'll, you'll bear the wrath of God for all eternity for your sin. And that's what you deserve, and that's what I deserve. No one deserves anything but. But if you never trusted Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today. And you may look something like this. You just tell God, God, I'm a sinner, I'm self-absorbed, I'm rebellious, and I deserve your wrath. I haven't served you. I haven't lived for you, and I deserve the worst. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died on the cross for me. He bore my sin on the cross and he died he was buried and I believe that he rose from the dead so I could be made right with you and I want to be right with you God forgive me change my heart I want to follow you all my days my life I don't want to be my own anymore I want to be yours I give you my life today maybe you need to tell the Lord something like that I don't encourage you to do that if you got questions about that I'd love to talk to you. And there's many people here who would love to talk to you about that, talk you through that, help you understand repentance and what following Christ really means. So if you're going to store up treasures in heaven, that's the first thing we have to do. We have to be a believer. We have to know God and trust Him and have a relationship with Him. Second thing we can do, I think, is by giving ourselves to the service of others in the name of Jesus. Jesus, on when he comes back, see, Jesus, he ascended into heaven after he, he resurrected from the dead and he revealed himself to the disciples and about 40 days later he ascended into heaven, but he's coming back. And when he comes back, what he's going to do, he's going he's to judge. And he's going to turn to those on, on his right, Matthew chapter 25 says... He says, he's going to say, Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Jesus is saying this. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king, Jesus, will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did for the least of these, you did it to me. How do we store up treasure in heaven? Well, we, we serve others. In Christ's name. Another way we store up treasure in heaven is we use what God has given us. And we see what God has given us as we're to be stewards over. Don't kid yourself. What you have, you didn't earn and you don't uh, deserve it. You might be smarter, wittier than me, but it's not because you're smart that you have it, that God has given it to you. I believe that totally. But you'll be a good steward of what God has given you. They're not yours. They're 
they're the Lord's that he's put us in charge of. And we're to use these for his glory and for his purposes. Luke chapter 12, verse 33. This is the, the parallel passage we're looking today. We're, we're looking at Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Luke's account in Luke 12. And Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. That's interesting. Small group, that may be something you could talk about. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no, no, no moth destroys. This is parallel passage. Use what he's given us for his glory, for his purposes. Get to the needy. Help folks who need help. If God's blessed you with riches, which he's blessed all of us, again, look at me. You're like, well, you know, you just don't know my situation. You're right, I don't know. You might be mortgaged to the hilt. You got every toy in the world and you're living week to week. Say, repent, shame on you. You shouldn't live that way if you got every toy in the world. And there's some of you who live week to week and you don't have a toy to your name. You're just getting by doing the best you can do. But you're still wealthy. Go to a third world country. You're blessed. Use what he's given you for his glory and for his purposes. That's how we build up, store up treasures in heaven. Third thing, third way maybe that we can store up treasure in heaven is, is just by being generous. We've kind of mentioned that already. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. We already alluded to this passage already in verse 17. Let me read it for you. I don't think we have it. Let's turn to that passage real quick. We're, we, we're out of time, but we're... We talk about crock pots in here already? We talk about that? Yeah, crock pot. It's a blessing. Blessing. If you all get, listen, men, if you get your wife's crock pots, I can preach longer. We can stay at church longer. Because you just get home and it's done, right? No matter if you're 30 minutes late, an hour late, it's not burnt. It's just good. Make sure there's plenty of water in there. You can stick anything in there and it'll be good. Crock pots. Everybody, all the ladies need to get crock pots for their next birthday and for Christmas. In addition to whatever else you're going to bless them with, right? 1 Timothy 6. Turn there real quick in your Bibles. Come on, everybody turn there. Come on. If you don't have a Bible, the black Bible, the black book in front of you, it's page 1180. We've looked at verse 17 already, but I want to read all of this for you, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. And like I said, there's so many things we can talk about. And like I said, stuff's not bad. Having stuff's not bad. It's, we just got to hold loosely to it, and we got to constantly... If you're like, yeah, I don't, I've got all kind of stuff and I never have this problem, I would say probably you probably do. You just not realize it. It's just such a temptation in the world to see things as the world does. Success is having stuff and the more stuff I have, the happier I'm going to be. And 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. As for the rich in this present age, who's that? You and me. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to sit haughty, right? Arrogant, because we think we got, we did this because we, you know, Missy's got a great job. She earns it, makes a good living. It's not because, you know, Missy can't say it's because I'm just all that. No, because God's blessed me, right? Not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, right? That's temporal pleasures, treasures on earth. But set our hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. See, it's James, that James 1, 17 principle. Everything we have comes from the Lord. It's a gift. 
there to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Notice verse 19. This is kind of wrapping this thing up. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. That's kingdom treasure. That's heavenly treasure, eternal treasure, treasures in heaven. The storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Having all the toys, you know, investing in all this stuff. That's, yeah, it's fun. It's good to go to the lake. It's good to this. But you know what? You know what living is? Living is being able to see people come, be saved and grow in their understanding of who God is. And living's going to funerals of old saints who persevered in their faith. Who you can say, I bet everything, I don't know, I don't know a heart one, but I bet you everything I own, this guy right here is in, in glory right now with Jesus. Well, that's living. That's life. Living's not seeing your kids graduate magna cum laude and become a whatever, 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 make you know six digits right out of the gate. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not sinful. It's not bad. Oh, to have them graduate and send them to a Chad in Africa to do kingdom's work. Woo, that's living. That's living. Where's your heart? What's your perspective on your stuff? Who you serving? Let's be a people who who store up treasures on not on earth, but in, in heaven. Let's do God's work. Be good stewards of what He's given us and holding loosely to the things we have. You know what I love? I love seeing wealthy people, people who's got more money than they'll ever spend in their life, and you look at them and you would never know it. <laughs> they're just an average old, you know, Joe, and they're telling me, hey, I'm going to pay for, I'm going to pay for all these kids this, this, and this. Hey, here's this money. Give to them. Da, da, da. Don't tell them who. I love that. That's, boy, that's wonderful. That's awesome. Hey, here's all this money. Don't tell anybody where it comes from. You help this person. They got a need. You go help them. Oh, that's awesome. What are they doing? Storing up treasure in heaven. Hmm. We're, we're wealthy people. I'm a wealthy person. My dryer went out, and uh, my dryer went out, and uh, I went up to get a new dryer. Kind of talking to the guy, and he said, uh, "Anyway, I ended up leaving and just trying to figure out what I'm going to do." And this guy calls me. He says, "Hey, your dryer's up here ready. We'd already fixed my dryer once, and I told him I don't want this dryer. This dryer, this dryer is not coming back to my house." We'll hang it on a clothesline. This, this dryer's not coming back to my house because I'm tired of messing with it. He says, your dryer's right. I said, look, I told you. I'm sorry. There's some miscommunication. I told you I didn't want the dryer. I didn't want it. They said, no, your dryer's ready. Come pick it up. I said, let me talk to And I had talked to someone else. I said, look, I did not. Sorry, I'm donating that dryer to the cause. You can have it. I don't want it. I'm going to buy another dryer. They said, no, you, you've got a dryer up here. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're just like, somebody got you a dryer. Look, 
They're just kind of, kind of like cut the judge. Look, somebody got you a dryer. Just come over and get your dryer. Somebody want to bless you. Like, what? what are you talking about? You know, and then it took me a little bit to figure it out. Yeah, somebody bought us a dryer. Didn't tell us who it was. They said, look, they told me not to tell you who it was. So I was like, wow. That's a blessing. It blessed the heck out of me and my family, you know. Could I have afforded a dryer? Yeah. You know, I didn't sell any organs to buy a dryer, but it just blessed me. And what are they doing? They're storing up, storing up treasure in heaven. You know what that makes me want to do? Go buy something for somebody. Go do something good for somebody. Bless somebody that's, that's at a spot that needs to be blessed. You know? So let's do that. Let's be a church that gives. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.